Take your Bibles. We're going to get right into the message this morning. This will be a much shorter service than, uh, than we usually have. Well, I want you to take your Bibles and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel 17. Of course, 1 Samuel 17 deals with David and Goliath. Very, very favorite children's story, but it's not, it's not just a, a story or a tale. It's a true event that actually happened when God empowered a youth by the name of David to go and slay a ferocious giant and uh, who was, who was uh, uh, set in battle against the nation of Israel. 1 Samuel chapter 17, and we're going to read verses 40 down through 45 with me, if you would. Let's all stand together in honor of the Word of God. And 1 Samuel chapter 40, excuse me, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 40, says, And he took his staff in his hand, and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook, and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had even in a scrip, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. And the Philistine came on and drew near unto David, and the man that bare the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, and ruddy, and of a fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear, and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we ask your blessings upon the word of God as it goes forth. I am, am so thankful that whenever I preach, and I preach out of your book, I can preach with confidence, not because of me, but because of your word. I know it's pure. I know it's sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing of asunder of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Lord, we have, a, we have a very, very unusual book and very, very powerful book, and we pray that that book would speak to our hearts. It is your very words, and we're thankful for them this morning. Help us to take heed to them. Help us to, to be uh, attuned to the Spirit of God as he speaks to our hearts through your word, for it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, when David came to Goliath, he, he came and he said, I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts. Uh, David was, a, was an unusual young man. He was not an old man. He was not even a middle-aged man. He was a youth, the Bible says. I, I believe that uh, at this time he was probably somewhere between 17 and 19 years old. And I think he was in his later teen years. 
and he was told by his dad to deliver some food, some supplies, to his brothers who were on, on the battle lines, on the battlefront. And so he did, and he found out what was going on down there. He found out that, that the, uh, that the uh, uh, Philistines had risen up against Israel, had battled with them, and sent out a champion every day to, uh, to ask Israel to send a man to fight. And there was no man that was willing to fight for their nation. So when David saw that, he got very, very upset. David was a, was a man with grit. He was a man with guts. He was a man with goals. And, and David had all three of those in one package. And we need those kind of, kind of men today to be willing to stand up for God and stand up against those that would, uh, that would like to defame the name of our Savior. David approached a Goliath with an attitude of anticipated victory. He did, not, he, he did not lack confidence, but his confidence was not in himself. His confidence was in his God, and his confidence was in the fact that he came in the name of the Lord of hosts. He was, he was coming in the power, and he was coming with the credentials of his God. And uh, he didn't come in his own name. He didn't even come in the name of Israel. He came in the name of the Lord of hosts. Um, he uh, uh, made some claims. If you look down in verse 46 and 47, it says, This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand. This is David speaking. And I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the birds of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you unto our hands. And so when he came, he was coming in, in confidence that he was going to be the victor. And again, not because uh, he was a great warrior, but because he knew that his God would take care of him so he could come with confidence. And, uh, and he made claims of victory. He said, the Lord will deliver you into my hands. He said that he would smite him and take his head from him and the fowls of the air would, would feast on, on his remains. And that's exactly what, what happened. However, he didn't just tack the name of God onto his tasks and onto his purposes. Uh, he didn't just, just say, well, I got to go out and I got to fight. So I might as well just go out in the name of God. No, that was his whole motivation for going out. That was his whole motivation for, for uh, 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 defying uh, the nation of the Philistines and going after their champion, Goliath. Take your Bibles and keep your finger here in 1 Samuel, but just turn with me to Acts chapter 19. What David did is vastly different from what some fellas did over in Acts chapter 19. Look with me in Acts 19 and look in verses uh, 26. Let me see. Whoa. Let me get this right here. 
Acts 19, I'm sorry, verses 11 through 16. Verses 11 through 16. It says, And God brought, and God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto the, the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. In other words, Paul had the power of God all over him. Verse 13, Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, uh, took upon them to call over them, which had evil spirits, the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul preacheth. And there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew and chief of the priests, which did so. And the evil spirit answered, and said, Jesus, I know, and Paul, I know, but who are ye? And what they simply did was, they said, well, we'll come in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But there was no power in that name because they personally were not saved. They personally uh, did not have that power. They just kind of tacked that thing on. Sometimes we do that. You know, we, we just kind of tack on the name of God onto the things that we say we're going to do or the accomplishes that we have made. And uh, we, we do it very similarly to what, the way the seven sons of Sceva did it in the respect that we claim the name but have no power. Be careful. Be careful of that. Uh, be careful of saying the Lord led me to, the Lord caused me to do such and such. Uh, some, sometimes we're right, but sometimes it wasn't the Lord at all. We need to be very, very careful about uh, invoking the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, there were some conditions that were present in order for David to sincerely come on the scene and say, I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts. There are some conditions that, ha that he had to meet in order to use that name and to use that name properly. First condition is, is that David had to be pure in his motive. David was stirred because of the reproach that was on God and the reproach that was on Israel. And I believe it was in that order. He was first concerned because God was reproached. He was secondly concerned because his nation was reproached. In 1 Samuel 17, look down in verses 26 through 29. It says, And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth the Philistines, Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine? that he should defy the armies of the living God. Now, let me, let me help you understand something. He was not trash-talking uh, Goliath. He wasn't just trying to get him upset. He wasn't trying to even stir up the troops. He was generally upset and generally concerned that the name of God had been defamed, and so had the name of Israel. Verse 27 and the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Eliab the eldest brother heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart. For thou art come down, that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, What have I now done? 
is there not a cause? You know, what, what Eliab had done is he accused, he accused David of having a wicked heart. And the truth of the matter is the opposite was true. He had, he had a pure heart. He had a pure motive. And his response to, to that rebuke was, is there not a cause? In other words, what he's really saying is, why hasn't someone done something about this situation? And uh, we, we, we need to be very, very careful uh, when we contend on various issues. Why do we contend on, on the issues that, that we stand up for? Uh, whether it be Bible doctrine, whether it, even whether it be political stands. Uh, do you take the stands you do because, number one, it's the stand of the Word of God, and number two, you're standing for the name of your God? Uh, the, you know, oftentimes I think we... We take stands and we, uh, we um, uh, contend for various issues, not because of God, but because of us. We want our stand to be right. We want our stand to be, to be accepted. And, and the reality of the matter is, it's not our reputation that's at stake. It's God's reputation. In fact, I thought, I thought of this this morning as I was looking over my notes. Every time you and I go out of, out of our house, God's reputation is at stake. Because if you, trust, if you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior and others know that you are saved, then you need to be very, very careful about what you say. You need to be very, very careful about what you do. You need to be very, very careful about where you go. You need to be very careful about who you hang out with. Why? Because your God's reputation is at stake with your thoughts, with, with your speech, and with your actions. And, and we need to be careful. It's God's reputation that we ought to be concerned about, not our own. You know, our, our church, uh, our, our, our personal causes that we have, the personal stands that we take, our opinions, they can take precedence sometimes over, over the fact that it's God's reputation that's important. And we need to keep that in mind. It's not, it's not what I think. It's not what I believe. It's what God says and who God is that's important. And we need to make sure that our hearts are in the right place so that we have a pure motive like what David had. The second, second condition for using his name so forcefully and with so much power was that he had a reliance on the power of God. Um, you, you know, in comparison to Goliath, uh, David had little physical power. I mean, he was just a young lad. He was a, he was a youth. He was not accomplished in battle. Goliath had all those things uh, on, on his resume. Uh, he knew how to use weapons. David simply knew how to use a, a sling and a stone. Uh, he was not accomplished with a sword. He was not accomplished with a shield. And uh, when, when he went up against Goliath, he understood. He understood that the, the, the deck was stacked against him. He understood that his power was nothing. His physical power, his physical prowess was nothing compared to Goliath. And yet, yet, uh, he knew that God's power was greater than Goliath's. 
He knew that, that God was bigger than any problem that he could encounter. He, he knew that God was bigger than any need that he might have. And he knew that his God could fight for him. David didn't simply fight for God, but, but he allowed God to fight through him. And he allowed his power to flow through him so that he could get the job done. He trusted God for the victory. And again, I think we need to be so very careful. We say that we trust the Lord. We say we believe he's going to take care of us, particularly during this COVID thing. And honestly, I have watched people over the past six to eight months who say that they're trusting God, but don't act like it. I mean, if you say you're trusting God, but you're sitting there wringing your hands, well then, you know, your, your emotions, your actions betray you. You're really not trusting God. Well, David did. I mean, again, here he is just in comparison. I don't think he was puny. I think he, was, I think he had muscles. I think he was, he was uh, accomplished and the, the, uh, obviously he had human physical strength. But you compare him with, with the giant Goliath, and there, there really was no comparison. And David knew that. He was not depending on his own prowess. He was not depending on his own skill. He was depending upon the Lord of hosts to get him through. Uh, only, only, this, only through this way does God get the glory. I, I've watched God do this over and over and over again. There was a situation where years ago, my family were in a, was in a situation where we, we lost, we were in ministry, but we had no salary coming in. And really didn't know where in the world the money was going to come from. And I asked the Lord if he wanted me to go, go work a job. And, and God did not give me peace about that at all. That was not his direction. I have no problem with someone who does that. But that was not the case uh, for us. During that, that, I don't know, six or seven months that we did not receive, receive a salary, God took care of us abundantly, even over and above what we would have had had we had a salary. I had never seen that in my life before. And to be quite honest, in that particular way, I've never seen it since. But whenever I come up today against a problem or a difficulty that is so much bigger than I am, I realize that, listen, God, you took care of me back then. You took care of my family back then. You can take care of me today because you're the Lord of hosts. You're the almighty, all-powerful God. And, you know, sometimes we need to be careful because sometimes we appear to be flippant to people when, when, when we speak with confidence and we, we speak and believe that God's going to take care of us. Now, I don't believe that that means that you ought to be flippant in your actions. I don't believe that that means you should be careless. You should not be careless. I mean, let's face it. David did not go out and try to barehanded wrestle Goliath to the ground. That would have been stupid. That would have been careless. That would have been foolish. But what he had compared, you know, the, the uh, sling and the five smooth stones, what he had in compared to what Goliath had, there was, there was no comparison. Goliath, from, from, from a natural perspective, should have won that battle. But he didn't. 
He didn't because David was trusting the Lord. And he had, he had reliance upon God's power. Well, he was pure in motive. He relied on the power of God. And he had no confidence in the flesh. Look down in verses 38 and 39 of uh, chapter 17. Verse 38 says, And Saul, who was the king at the time, Saul armed David with his armor. And he put a helmet of brass upon his head. Also, he armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor, and he said to go, for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off him. That, that just shows that David had no confidence in the flesh. He had no confidence in the armor. He had no confidence in the sword. It's so easy for us when we get up against a problem, we get up against pressure, we get up against difficult situations, it's easy to scheme and to, to, uh, to rest and rely on human devices. And that's really what Saul wanted him to do. He said, look at uh, what you have isn't good enough. Let me, let me give you some armor, let me give you a sword that will, that will uh, uh, give you an, an edge, so to speak, uh, on, on Goliath. Well, the truth of the matter is he'd never used that shield before. He'd never used that armor before. He'd never used that sword before. And he looked at that and he said, no, I'm just going to trust God and God's going to take care of me. Uh, don't, uh, don't use what you have not proved. Use what you have proved. Uh, in verse 37, it says... Uh, uh, David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. What David was saying was this. He said, Listen, out in private, out in the, the sheepfold, uh, I came up against a lion. And I beat the lion. I came up against the bear. I beat the bear. But he, he doesn't take credit for it. Notice he says, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear. He will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. He said, he said listen, he says that God delivered me back then. And he delivered me with the skills that I know and the skills that I have right now. He said, just like he did that then, I believe he can do that and will do that now. You know, because of this principle, I've, I've taken on a, a policy in my personal life. And, and the policy is, is that uh, when, when last-minute changes to something that you're about to do are, are being proposed, don't do it. Do what you've planned for. Do what you, what you know that God has used in your life in the past. But uh, when, when you're up against a, a, a problem, you're up against a difficulty, you're up against pressure in your life, that's not the time to be, to be uh, uh, trying things that you have not proved in your life. And the bottom line is it wasn't so much the instruments he used as the God that he trusted. And, and uh, because of that, and I think this was, this was part of David's motivation when he said no to the armor. He didn't want the armor to get the credit. He didn't want the sword to get the glory. 
He wanted God to get the credit. He wanted God to get the glory. Now, David not only had these, you know, right motives, and he not only had uh, reliance on his power and no confidence in the flesh, but he had some character in him. And th that character was used of God so that he was willing to stand for his name. Um, there's, a, there's a particular kind of character that we need to have when we claim the name of Christ and we go in his name and we desire to go in his power. And there's, there's, there's three things about David's character that need to be true in our character as well. First, first thing is that he was willing to stand alone. Um, he didn't ask anybody for help, and believe me, nobody offered him any help. And they, all those guys had opportunities to go up against Goliath day after day after day, but they never did that. So he asked for no help. He, and he took the rebuke of his brother and, 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 and continued on in spite of the rebuke. By the way, if you take a stand for something or you take a stand against something, you're going to get opposition. You're going to get opposition not only against that which you oppose, but you will also get a, a opposition oftentimes through those that are on your side. And that was what he was getting. He was getting opposition from his brother. Uh, there, were, there were those that, that looked at him and, and, and doubted whether or not he could defeat the giant. You know, again, I don't, I don't think there was any doubt in David's mind that he personally, in his own strength, all by himself, could not beat the giant. But in the name of the Lord of hosts and with the power of God behind him, he knew that he could. Um, you know, one of the greatest things that we, I believe, that we can teach our children is to teach them to stand alone. And I think it's, it's as important today as it's ever been in history. Because if you take a stand on the Word of God and for the principles that are in this book, you will go against the grain of most of society. You just will. And our children need to know how to take a stand, how to be firm, and how to stand alone. Um, when you do that, you'll not only get grief from unsaved people, you'll get, you'll get grief from saved people. Uh, you know, one of, the, one of the, the difficulties I have seen in, in many families, families that are, are, are saved, separated, stay away from the world, try to, try to bring up their kids right, but they do so in such a way that they totally isolate the kids. One of the things that we did when we were raising our children was that we did not isolate them, we tried to insulate them. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, we let them go out into worldly situations. I'm not talking about going out and participating in worldly things or in bad things or in sinful things, but we allowed them to go places where they would be confronted by those that were doing those things and taught them how to handle it. Um, all Three, three out, of, uh, out of five of our children uh, worked uh, here in town when they were teenagers, worked at the Burger King. And, uh, and I like the Burger King, by the way. Uh, that's, a, that's a great place to go. And I like the hamburgers. 
And uh, all, all, all three, of, three of our boys, uh, Joel, uh, Jared, and Jason, all three of them worked at the Burger King. Well, they were up against all kinds of stuff while they were there. Uh, they, they had things presented to them that they had never had presented before. Uh, they had opportunities to do things that they should not do, that they never had before. I wanted them by the teenage years to start coming up against those things so that they knew how to handle them and knew how to stand alone. One of the fears I have for many of our Christian kids is that they don't know how to stand alone because they've never had to. They've never been allowed to be in a position where, where they have to stand alone. And you say, you say, yeah, but if I do that, they might fail. They probably will fail. They'll probably make a real mess of it the first few times. Uh, you know, you think about it, the very first time you ever witnessed. Did you really do a very good job? The very first time I ever witnessed, I did a horrible job. Uh, but, but I did it. And, uh, and I learned from my mistakes, and I learned from my failures. very first time I went up against a, a person that was a Jehovah's Witness, uh, and they were quoting scripture that I had never heard before. And I was trying to take a stand for God and the Bible and what was right and, and preach salvation to them. And, uh, and they threw me for a loop. I mean, totally. Uh, I, I, I did not answer properly. I fumbled. Uh, I, I made a real mess of the whole thing. But you know what I did? I stood alone, and I stood alone for God. And that's the right thing to do. That's the right thing for our kids to do. Now, you don't just send them out into the underbrushes. You don't just send them out to the wolves. You prepare them. You get them ready. And then when they come back, you deal with the issues that they have dealt with. But that is an important thing to do, is to be willing to stand alone for your God. And that's what, that's what David did. He was obviously taught well in the home, and he carried that out into the battlefield. The second thing that we find about his character was he's not only willing to stand alone, but he was deliberate in his actions. He was deliberate in his actions. He took five smooth stones. Look down in verse, uh, if you would, verse 40. It says, he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had even in a scrip, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. Now, there's all kinds of speculation as to why he took five smooth stones. Uh, he might have taken five smooth stones because he thought it would take at least five to knock down a giant of Goliath's stature. However, it's just kind of interesting, and this is strictly speculation, but, but it's interesting to note that Goliath happened to have four brothers. Well, you know what? Uh, in, my, in my experience in growing up, you knock out one brother, and the other brothers are after you. And uh, maybe that was in his mind. I don't know, but I know this. Uh, he knew how many stones he needed to take. He was determined. He was deliberate. And he did things on purpose. It says that in, in verse 40, it says that he drew near to the Philistine. He didn't wait for Goliath to come to him. He went to Goliath. He had determined that he was going to fight this guy. He had determined what he was going to do for the Lord, and he decided that he would do it. Look down in verse 48. 
It says, And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. He, he, it says he hasted and he ran toward the army. He didn't saunter. He didn't stroll. He ran. Why? Because he knew the job he was supposed to do and he wanted to get after it. He didn't procrastinate. He didn't put things off. He just went ahead and hit the thing and he hit it head on. You know, uh, one of the things that I've noticed over the years that is missing in Christianity today, and I'm talking about American Christianity, it's aggressiveness. Now, I'm not talking about being rude, and I'm not talking about being nasty, and I'm not talking about being inappropriate. I'm just talking about being aggressive. Years ago, uh, there was a term that was used when it came to soul winning and evangelism, and the, the term was confrontational evangelism. Now, what that sounds like is that you're going out looking for a fight. Well, that's, that wasn't the intent when, the, when whoever it was that coined that term. Uh, it, 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 just like uh, to say that we need to be aggressive, the intent is not that we need to uh, uh, be, be rude and crude and, and uh, uh, just go like a bull in a china shop. That's not, that's not the, the attitude we ought to have at all. But we ought to understand that, listen, we have a cause. And we ought to be deliberate in our cause. We need to be determined in our cause. And we need to realize, you know, uh, one of the, what, probably the saddest thing about, about COVID-19 hitting our, our country, do you realize how many people over these less than a year, like six, eight months, have died and gone into eternity? Have you thought for one moment where did they go? Well, they went somewhere. They went one of two places. There's not three. There's not four. There's not just one. There's two. They either went to heaven because they had trusted Christ as their Savior, or they went to hell because their sins were not paid for because they did not accept the payment that Jesus Christ made on the cross. And, and if, that, if that doesn't grip you, there's something wrong. Uh, if, if you don't think that there is, is and, and, and I've, had, I've had to wrestle with this thing myself. There's times when I have been, you know, we use the word shy, shy to give out a track or shy to speak up. You know, what, you know what it really is? We just don't really care. When you care, you will be aggressive. You know what David cared about? He cared about God's name and he cared about his nation. Both of those things, not just one, both, but in that order. It was God's name first and then his nation second. And because of that, he was aggressive, and he was aggressive for God. Well, he was not only willing to stand alone and deliberate, but the last thing is, is he was confident. But understand, he was confident in the power of God. He was not confident in his own strength. He was not confident in his own wisdom. He was not confident in his own ability. He was confident in his God. He became confident in his God on, uh, in, in private. Look, look back with me, verse, uh, verse 31 of 1 Samuel 17. It says, And when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul, and he sent for them. 
And, and David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with the Philistine, with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, thou art not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him for thou art but a youth. And he is a man of war from his youth. In other words, you're, you're not a man of war at all. And he's been a man of war since he was your age. Verse 34, and David said unto Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And, David's, and Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. He, he was confident in, in God's power because he'd seen it in his own personal life. He'd seen it in private. Uh, private struggles are given to us so that they can prepare us for public ones. If you're going through a struggle right now, whether it be financial or whether it be a family struggle or whether it be, a, be a, uh, just a, a personal, personal emotional thing, it might be a struggle on the job, it might be a struggle between you and, and somebody else. I don't know what it might be. Could be pressure of some kind from the outside coming in. Uh, if you're going through a struggle, not only are you supposed to rely on God now, like David did with the lion and the bear, but it's probably getting you ready for a future problem and a future struggle. Uh, the struggles that we have today are preparation for situations that we will confront later on. There's, there's, you know, when it comes to living a life of faith, there's no shortcuts. There's just no shortcuts to a life of faith. Everything that is happening now is happening for you to be strengthened for something in the future. It purpose of, of strengthening your fellowship and strengthening your power with God. Uh, God's allowing you to go th through these things so he can prove himself to be strong, to be faithful, to be sure on your behalf. And uh, what you're going through is just simply preparation for later. David understood that. He looked backward. And that's what gave him the confidence. He said, listen, God delivered me then. God can deliver me now. And I believe he will deliver me because I know what's at stake. What's at stake is the reputation of my God. Um, did, his, did his victory come instantaneously? No, it didn't just come in an instant. He was prepared. He was ready. Uh, he had spent, in fact, we have a, we have a, a Bible that uh, has a book called the Book of Psalms. Some of those Psalms were written, I believe, when he was in the sheepfold. Some of those Psalms were written when he was running away from Saul. Some of those Psalms were written when he was king of all Israel. But those Psalms are meditations and prayers that, she, that he had in private with his God. And, and you know, I don't, I don't know what you do, but I know what I do often. When, I, when I'm struggling, when I have difficulties, when, when I need some strength, one of the first books I often go to is the book of Psalms. I was just reading the book of Psalms this morning. 
And uh, what a blessing I got. And in fact, one of the Psalms that I read was a Psalm of David. And uh, he, he talked about the fact that God had been his strength and God had been his victory. I read another Psalm right after that that, that dealt with the fact that God is, was his high tower and was his shield and was his strength. Uh, David, because he practiced in private, he could make a stand in public. And uh, he had the, the name and all the power of God behind his stand. And the reason why he stood so confidently and stood so faithfully is because he had already seen God's power in his life. The truth of the matter is all of us have giants in our life. We have difficulties. We have opposition that we have to face. And you might possibly be up against something right now. Um, understand that those situations are probably beyond your resources. One of the things I appreciate about David is David knew where his strength came from. Yes, he was strong. Yes, he had been accomplished. Yes, he had proved himself with a lion and a bear. He'd never been up against a giant before. And he looked at that situation and he knew that on his own, there was no way in the world that he was going to defeat that giant. But he also knew his God was stronger than that giant. His God was greater than that giant. And his God could have victory over that giant. You know, no matter what situation you're up against, the truth of the matter is, uh, it's, it's beyond your resources. You know, we're, we're in the middle of this COVID crisis. And uh, uh, the truth of the matter is, you can't control it. Uh, truth of the matter is, in, in your own strength, you can do things. You know, I, I, I've watched this. I've watched it over the last six months. I've watched people that are careless and they get COVID. But I've also watched people that are extremely, extremely careful and they still get it. You know what that means? That means it's beyond our resources. It's beyond our power. What are we supposed to do? Do what God would have you to do and leave him with the results. You know, leave the, leave the results to God. And regardless of what happens, praise God for the whole thing. We, we, we must have implicit trust in and dependence on the Lord of hosts. That's what got David through, and that's what will get you through, and what will get me through. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we're thankful this morning for the fact that we serve the Lord of hosts. We serve the King of kings. We serve the Lord of lords. Uh, Father, there is nothing in this world that has approached or attacked this world that is greater than you. There's nothing that is in our life that is greater than you. And Lord, uh, when we approach those problems and we approach those difficulties and we approach that whatever opposition might be against us, uh, we can't do it in our own strength. We don't have the resources to do that, but you do. And we can come in your power and we can come in your strength. The things that we're going through today are preparing us for something in the future. It is so important that we stand alone where necessary and that we stand faithful and true to our God. I pray that, Lord, you'd speak to hearts this morning. I pray that 
all of us would understand how important it is for us to, to live for you and to trust you because your reputation is at stake. During this whole COVID crisis, again, I've watched people that say they trust God, but then don't act like it. And, and believe me, Lord, uh, I know the world notices that. And the thing that's at stake and the thing that, that uh, is, is uh, in the balance is not our reputation. That's, that's for sure. It's your reputation. Father, I pray that you'd work in our hearts. And as maybe there's someone here this morning that, that is, I say here, online this morning, and they've never trusted you as Savior. They've never come to you, admitted that they're a sinner and on their way to hell, turned from their sin and trusted Jesus Christ and you alone as their personal Savior, trusting in your shed blood, your death, your burial, and your resurrection. God, my prayer and my plea is that today that person or persons would fall down on their knees right where they're at and cry out to you for mercy and ask you to save their soul. Lord, there's uh, Christians that uh, are not trusting in you this morning. Uh, again, we, we often say that we are, but then our actions betray us. And Lord, uh, I pray that uh, you would deal with hearts this morning. Help us to see where our weaknesses are. We've all got them. Maybe we're trusting in our own resources, and the truth of the matter is our own resources aren't good enough. They never have been, they never will be. Lord, speak to hearts and may folks do business with you right where they're at, in their living room, by their kitchen table, wherever it is they happen to be this morning. We pray that they drop down to their knees and do business with their God. Bless this invitation. Have your will, have your way. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's do this.